That is such a simple statement and yet carries all the power that we need. God is good over all of our circumstances, over everything in our life, over everything going on in the world that is really not so good. God is good and he is, he is in control. And so God, we just come before you this morning and we just thank you. We declare that you are good. We remember that you are good. And may, that, may your goodness, God, just pour over us this peace and this hope. God, we come here today because we know that you're good. But sometimes, sometimes we feel like we're reaching for it. And so today, I just ask that every person here and every person watching online would just be reminded of your goodness, reminded of who you are. So would you meet with us this morning? I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Um, so one of the things that our family did during the whole COVID quarantine is we watched the show The Chosen. Raise your hand if you've watched The Chosen. Oh my goodness. So many of you are about to be blessed because I'm telling you, you have to watch this show. It's a televised uh, drama of the life of Jesus. And the way that these people uh, put this together is just remarkable. So Google it, you can download the app, stream it to every device, there's your free advertisement. But it was so good. And I found myself, we were like savoring it. Normally we'll kind of binge through shows, but this, it was like one episode a night. We wanted to really savor it. And I, and it just, the show just wrecked me in the best way. I found myself sitting there watching it, just smiling. Because there was something about kind of the humor and the playfulness that was displayed in Jesus. And the way that, that he approached the leper and the way that he approached the woman at the well was just more real for me than anything I'd ever envisioned it to be. And then I, I found myself like reading the Gospels like a rich novel. Scripture came alive to me in a new way. I was reading it with a different tone. And, and things were beginning to make sense. I felt more connected to Jesus. And the things that didn't make sense, make sense, I was longing to go find the commentary to, to find that missing piece. Because Jesus, he came alive for me in a new way. And so I began to kind of ask myself, why? Why did I like Jesus more after, after watching this? And really, ultimately, then what did I think about him before having watching this? Because that's what happens when we learn something new about somebody. It has the, the power to completely change how we see them or how we understand them. And this happens for all of us. You know, there may be somebody in our, in our lives that, that we maybe have preconceived notions about, or maybe we spend some time with them, and so we think we know them, but then we learn kind of this new thing about them, and it just changes how we see them overall. So maybe there's, there's somebody that, that you just always saw as being really serious and really stoic, but then you experience their fun side, and, and you just overall see them differently moving forward. Or maybe there's somebody who, who maybe you've made judgments about, about things in their life or, or behaviors or whatnot, but then you maybe find out some things about their life and, and your, your view towards them changes. Maybe there's more compassion or more empathy. 
Because when, when we learn these new things about somebody, again, it, it can just radically change how we approach them and how we understand them. Uh, earlier this year, I was dropping my oldest son off at school. In our routine, I dropped the younger two off, and then I take my oldest, and we would pull into this um, parking spot, and we would sit there, we would do a devotional together, and then he'd go into the school. Well, the place that we would pull up was kind of towards, towards the building, and so right behind it, a lot of cars would just kind of drive up, drop their kid, and then loop off and leave. And so th- this one day, we were sitting there, parked in our spot, doing the devotional, and there was this car behind me who was dropping their, their kid off, and then behind the car was a minivan. And out of the minivan gets this man who's probably 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Like, he was a really tall guy. And he gets out, and he is just screaming profanities. Like, he is mad about something. And he is walking up to the car in front of him, just making a scene. Like, all of the kids are turning and listening. Like, he was saying some very not okay things. And the teachers were were looking over there. And then out of the car gets this man who's maybe 5'5". And he gets out of the car, and and I just kind of smile. And I turn and I look at my son, and he's looking back through the, the back window, watching all this take place, and I can tell he's kind of scared. Like, there's a, there's a legit situation happening right outside of our car. And, and so I turned to him, and I said, kid, did you see who just got out of the car? Do you see who that guy's yelling at? He said, no, who? And I said, uh, it's sensei. It was the fifth-degree black belt sensei of the dojo that Landon went to. And, and so we both just kind of giggled. And so now we're watching this situation, if I'm being honest, kind of hoping that this guy's about to get dropped in like half a second. <laughs> and so we're watching this, and this guy, I, he, I don't know what, was, what his issue was, but he was upset. And he's standing over there, and he's provoking this guy, and he's just yelling at him because he thought he held the power. But then as soon as he found out who the other guy was, he just kind of started backing off and mumbling, got in his minivan, and drove off. And, and so Landon and I, you know, we're sitting in there, and we're, we thought it was kind of funny, but we're also, we were not scared. Because when the good guy has a black belt, you just feel safer. And th- this is what can happen, is, is when we learn these new things about somebody, it can radically change how we view them and how we approach them. But when we only know some things about a person, if we, if we don't know the fullness of who they are, then we don't actually know them. And so when we do this with Jesus, when we don't fully know Jesus, we only know parts of him, we, we really, we don't experience all that was meant for us. We don't genuinely know him. We aren't genuinely being transformed into the fullness of who he is. We don't live as though the all-powerful creator of heaven and earth is in our corner. And so I want to invite you to ask the same question that I did after having watched this show, and that is, man, do I really know Jesus? So as I began to, to really kind of wrestle with this and think about this, it reminded me of a book that I'd read by James K. Smith, and it was called Imagining the Kingdom. And he talks in this book about how we are formed by the world around us, by stories and rituals and, and experiences. 
And ultimately, the purpose of the book is really to call the church to, to attention, that the church needs to be a counterformative place. Because as Christ followers, we are actually not supposed to look like the rest of the world. We're supposed to look very different. And so the, the book is about how we need to be having formative practices in the church. But, but ultimately, as I was thinking about this, this book and thinking about how much our world is forming us constantly, from the moment we're born, every minute of every day, we're being influenced by the world in ways we're not even aware of. You know, there's all of these things that we do or that we believe. We don't even necessarily know why. Some, some we maybe do, but others, there's these things that we're just like, I don't know, that's just, that's just why you do it. I don't know why I believe that. That's just what my mom told me. And so we, we're, we're constantly being formed and shaped. And one of the ways that this is happening for us uh, in really kind of profound ways today is that we're being formed to believe that we actually know people when we don't actually know them at all. If you think about magazines and social media and reality TV and all of these things, politics, really what we're getting is these profiles on people. And, and, and we, we get this idea that we know them. And if we watch like the entire series of that reality show, then we know them really well. Or if we stalk them on Facebook, we know them like, like we know them. But the problem is, when we only know a little bit of information about these people, or if we're being honest, very skewed information, we don't actually know them. And the real problem is that because we're being formed this way, so many of us approach Jesus the same way. We might know about Jesus, but we don't know Jesus. We, we know Jesus based on kind of the bullet points of who he is who maybe the church is telling us or the world is telling us in this whole kind of mixture of all of these things, but they're just kind of on the surface. They're just the bullet points. And so if we don't know Jesus, the fullness of, of who he is, then, then we're missing out. We don't truly know him the way that we were intended to know him. There's this radical reality of who Jesus is in his fullness that, that helps us truly understand who he is in us and for us, for those who abide in Christ. When we come to truly know him. There was somebody who who said something to me in the beginning of my ministry, and it was just straight from the Holy Spirit. I have it written down in several places as a reminder, but they said, the thing that motivates us cannot be for people to know truth. It has to be for people to know Jesus. Which means we have to know Jesus. We have to know Jesus so that we can then embody Jesus for those around us. And so for the month of July, we're going to be in a series that's simply called Jesus. Because we're going to take some time to ask that question, do I really know Jesus? And I believe that as we do this, that, that we might be reintroduced to our Savior. 
to really come to see see him in, in truth and in clarity and in fullness as we pursue coming to know the fullness of Jesus. Now, I do want to be clear. When I say this, I'm not talking about questioning your salvation. I'm talking about your relationship with Jesus, who who you know him to be, and as a result, who you claim him to be in your life. It's because out of that is then who who we are portraying him to be to the world around us, a world that is chaotic and divided and broken and desperate for Jesus. And so today we're going to just take a few minutes to kind of focus in on on the reality that Jesus is our hope. Paul starts his letter to Timothy by stating this foundational truth. He introduces himself in the letter saying, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, commissioned by order of God, our Savior, and Jesus, the anointed, who is our hope. Our hope. Like, do we really know what that means? That Jesus is our hope. It means that he is our living hope. 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. See, Jesus' resurrection means that there is nothing that has power over him, which means there's nothing that has power over us. When we died to self in those baptismal waters and then we were raised into new life, it was raised into a new life full of hope, full of living hope, which means we don't have to live that way anymore. We don't have to think that way anymore. We don't have to be bound by the things that had us bound anymore because no longer is there any power over us. We have hope in the fullness of who Jesus is. Everything that is true of Christ is true of me and is true of you for those who abide in Christ. He's also our sure hope. Hebrews 6, 17 through 20 says, Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. See, this hope that we have is alive and never changing. And there's nothing that separates us now from God's promises. Jesus paved the way. He is our forerunner. He went before us to make a way for this hope. So it's a hope that we can claim right now in our lives, over every situation, over every experience. We can claim him in our world. It is a hope that brings life to communities and individuals in the ways that they are lacking a sense of hope. But it's also a future hope. We as Christ followers have the promise 
of eternity. That we will one day be reunited with Christ in the new heaven and the new earth and, and we, we will live for all of eternity. And so this future hope has the power that when we set our eyes on that, it, it makes the things of earth go dim. When we focus on eternity and what is to come, it makes our mission here on earth not feel like it's the end of the world, not feel like it's all-consuming. It reminds us that we, we are heirs, that, that we have a place waiting for us, that is being prepared for us. And so when we focus on that, then, then we, we kind of get rock solid in our mission here on earth. We're reminded, you know what, this isn't about me. This, this is God's story. God, the author of heaven and earth, is writing this story. The God who promises to work all things out for good according for, to those who love him. It gives us that perspective shift when we focus on this future hope that awaits us. Which means that when things happen in life, we stand back up. It means that that, that, that flame inside that's barely flickering anymore gets refueled. Those promises that seem so far away were reminded that there is no veil. And so, so they, they feel closer. They feel more attainable. That we don't have to just believe that the change could come, but we are certain of it because of the promises that God has made which he cannot lie about. So it silences the lies in our mind. Hope is only found in the person of Jesus Christ. And our world is desperate, desperate for some hope right now, desperate for something solid and unchanging, desperate for something that allows them to see beyond the circumstance that they are in in the moment. So again, I want us to ask ourselves, for those of us who say we know Jesus, for those of us who say we follow Jesus, can we say that our life is marked with this kind of hope? A hope that draws people in. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. So what Paul is saying here is, yeah, we're going to grieve. Being, being a Christ follower doesn't mean that we're not going to grieve. It doesn't mean that we're not going to feel the weight and the pain of the things of this earth. But it does mean that we're going to grieve differently than the rest of the world. We're going to grieve, but not like that. Because they don't have any hope. But, but we grieve with a sense of hope which means we're able to move past these things. We're able to find joy amidst them. We're able to see purpose through them. So yeah, we're, we're gonna grieve, but not like the rest of the world. And so for those of us who are called to embody Jesus in this world, we have to ask ourselves, is my life marked by hope? The hope that sets us apart from the rest of the world? Because when we do this, 
When we embody this kind of hope, we show the world who our God is instead of telling the world who our God is. Because I think at this point, people don't really want us to tell them about Jesus. Because people have been telling this world about Jesus in very broken and destructive ways at times. So for some people, telling them about Jesus can can push them further away. We have to introduce them to Jesus. And we do this when we embody who he is in truth and in fullness. When we have this hope alive in us. We don't want to just know about Jesus. We want to know him. That is what we are called to do. But I think if we are willing to be honest, so many of us, as Christ followers, we, we don't live with this sort of hope just exuding out of us. We, like the rest of the world, get sucked into the fear and the anxiety and the depression and the chaos. It's spinning all around us and it's so easy to get formed by that over being formed by the truth of hope. We aren't claiming this hope in our lives and so we're not showing this hope to the rest of the world. And here's the thing, if we do not understand the fullness of Jesus and we're not actually introducing the world to the fullness of Jesus, we're actually introducing them to a Jesus that has holes in it. And what the world needs is Jesus, not Swiss Jesus. They need to experience his holiness, not his holiness. I'm sorry, was that cheesy? (laughs) Oh, so many masks makes this so awkward. I can't tell if you're actually smiling. Um, But this, this is hope. That in the midst of something heavy, we can laugh. That, That we have this sense of joy no matter what is going on. And this is the sort of hope that the world needs. This is the sort of hope that Jesus has to offer us. Which is why we're called in 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So again, we need to honestly ask ourselves, can we say that our life is actually displaying this kind of hope for the world to be curious about through our words and our actions and the conversations that we're having? And if not, I just want to remind you today who this Jesus is, who your Jesus is. And I want to invite you for this series to to press in to come to know Jesus in a deeper way. Something that I have become very passionate about 
is that we as Christ followers need to be routinely asking the question, God, am I missing it somehow? Because this question, what it does is it really puts up kind of the bumpers, like in the bowling alley, to really keep us on that narrow path. Because there are so many influences coming in that, that can skew us. Ask God, man, have I, have I settled for the bullet point version of Jesus? Because I, I don't want to settle. I want to know him. I want to know the fullness of who he is. Because as Christ followers, people are looking at us to see Christ. So we need, we need to really make sure that we know him. Because again, Jesus came to create relationship with us. That we can, can access him with intimacy and vulnerability. That the reason that, that he came was not simply to die on the cross. That was one part of his mission. There was so much more to why Jesus left heaven and came to earth to build relationship with us. So we, we, we need to really ask ourselves, do I really know Jesus? Because Jesus is so much bigger than anything else that we could ever imagine. There's so much more to knowing Jesus, the fullness of Jesus. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the Word. He is our Savior, our friend, our Messiah. He is our kinsman redeemer, our mighty God, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Creator, Dayspring, Advocate, Forerunner. He is so much more than the one who simply died on the cross for our sins. The cross is extraordinary. But there's so much more to Jesus. And this hope, this hope that Jesus has to offer us comes alive when we come to know Jesus more and more and more. When I was a teenager, there were uh, those WWJD bracelets were, had kind of come out. They were a thing. And it's like, I feel like everybody wore them. I had them in like every color for every outfit. But then like all things fashion, they, you know, eventually kind of went away, but I've seen them more lately. I don't know if you guys are seeing these. I see different ads for them and whatnot. Um, and there's even a, a company that now does this stacked bracelet. So you've got the WWJD, what would Jesus do? And then they do like HWLF, he would love first. And, and so I was kind of noticing these and they felt kind of retro, right? And, but what really grabbed my attention was I started seeing this WWJD what would Jesus do, being tagged on a lot of posts out there about racism or this whole mask war that we're in. All of these crazy things going on in our world, it's being tagged with all these hashtags, and one of them is this WWJD. But it's not coming from like these, these sweet, encouraging posts that's just a gentle little reminder. It's like an attack. It's being used as, as sort of a, what would Jesus do? You say you're Christian. You say you follow this Jesus. What would your Jesus do about this? Like it, it's being used kind of against the church. 
And so I started to think about this, and, and, and the, here's the scary thing. I don't think, I don't think we all would answer that the same way. I don't think there's a unified voice of what the body of Christ would respond to that question. In fact, I know there's not because I'm seeing it. People will respond to that with with truth, love, justice, equality, freedom, grace, advocacy. Because what we're going to do is we're going to lean toward that thing that feels most real for us or most personal for us or what makes the most sense for us. So we tag that, that, that to this answer, but the reality is Jesus is all of those things. He is divine and he is holy. He is not simply one, one quality, one thing. He would love first, but he's also going to speak truth because he loves them. The, Jesus is this, this divine, full reality that, that guys, we got to know how to answer that question. In the midst of chaos and brokenness, this is why God has us here as the body of Christ to, to offer Jesus to people. When they're turning and saying, what would Jesus do? We need, we need to embody him in fullness so that our response to that draws them in and is not part of some combative argument or discussion. When people begin to experience the hope of Christ through us, I don't think they're going to be tagging us with these challenges, but they're going to be asking us. And that is who we are meant to be as Christ followers. And so I want to invite you to to just join us for this series for the month of July. To ask yourself, do I know Jesus? And, And begin to journey, get into your word. Grab some some commentaries. Start to go a little deeper on your understanding of who Jesus is. Because as you embrace the fullness of who Jesus is, everything changes. And so for some people, maybe today, you've never known Jesus. You've never had a relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's because this This Jesus with holes in it is all you've ever been exposed to. And yet maybe today when you hear about this hope, you think, but but I want that. And I'm here to tell you today that that is who Jesus truly is. He is your hope, as Paul said. So in a minute, I'm going to pray for you. But I think more likely of the people sitting here or maybe joining online, you do know Jesus. You have begun a relationship with Jesus. But maybe you're sitting there today asking yourself, but man, do I know Jesus? Like, do I, do I know about Jesus or do I know him intimately and radically? And it's not, a, it's not a scary thing to be intimate with Jesus because he's entirely trustworthy. He cannot lie. He will never leave. He is constant. So do you know Jesus? 
God, we just come before you. And we first say thank you. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that you did send your son. Jesus, thank you for taking on the cross on our behalf. Thank you that we don't have to be overpowered by anything that this world throws at us. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that you love us and you choose us and that you will never leave us. And we're, we're asking Jesus, would you reveal yourself to us in a new way? Every single day, may we encounter you in a deeper way. We want to hear you. We want you to hear from our hearts. Man, we love you. And we are so grateful for you. So would you forgive us for the ways that we have settled for a version of you that is incomplete? Stir in us a new longing and a new desire. And for those that maybe this is your first time, I just want you to hear and just repeat this prayer. Just say, God, forgive me. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. Jesus, I want to know you. Would, you. would you wash away any preconceived notions that I've had from this world? I just want to know you in truth and in fullness. God, we need you. This world needs you. It is broken and it is chaotic more than we've ever experienced in our lifetime. And we know that you are the answer. We know that your hope is the answer. And so would you please make your hope alive in us so that we can show the world this living and sure hope. We pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.